we live in a world that we have largely created for ourselves. It's a world guarded. It's a world once removed. It's a world that through our concepts, through our ideas about it, we have displaced ourselves from it. And this world has a very particular orchestration. It is set up in a way that is just so. It is set up in a way that we have almost no control over the way that we see it, that we experience it, that we live within it. And we need to step back and really realize that happening. We need to understand where we are before we can decide where to go. And if we look around, if we truly take stock and gauge where it is that we're located in the grand scheme of things, we'll notice that the places as a humanity, the position that we're in, was not something that we've chosen. It's not something that we for ourselves have decided. We are brought into the world and are given a certain set, a certain working order. And we are forced to function within that order. And it's an order that is as old to humanity as it is uh, it's an order that is old as old as huma to humanity as it is because humanity is, at least in the current form that we endure, at least that in humanity's former, or uh, current form, we might even call this the new kind of human being the way that we are because of the way that we interact with the world. Again, that interaction is very particularized. It's very
very codified. There are rules. There are ways that we engage it. Rules of engagement, we might even call them. Standards. Uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, there are a set uh, of parameters that are placed around us, dictating not only our way of being, but they limit our consciousness about phenomena, about epistemology, about our minds, our, our own beings, who we are, and what our place within the world is. We've already fingered the enemy. We've already pointed the enemy out and said and defined why that enemy is so dangerous. And of course that enemy that I'm speaking of is conceptualization. It's the idea about the thing and not the thing itself. It's the misinformation. It's the alternative uh, take on what is. It is the invariant principle, the untruth. And oftentimes it is untrue, not because it is purposely false, but more so because the veritable circumstance that surrounds it has not been fully extradited, it has not been fully presented to us. But why? We have to ask ourselves, why? Why are things this way? Our enemy operates in a very, very particular way. Um, but the enemy itself is not something uh, that operates without a vehicle. It operates under its own mode. It operates under its own parameters, its own laws and rules of engagement. It has to come to us in a very certain way. And as we will see, it blossoms into various incarnate forms. We will talk about language. We will talk about belief. We will talk about culture, tradition. Things that divide us. Things that draw wedges between who we are and why we are.
those divides they are only surface deep our true task now that we have named and have become aware of what the enemy is at base now it's our task to become aware of the vehicle of that thing which enables conceptualization to flourish, to take hold and really to act within the world and the vehicle by which it does all this, the vehicle by which it has created a new kind of human being and it's drawn us out from our originality this vehicle is systemization we will talk more about the particulars of what systemization is and even more about what systemization is at a very base, a very root level. But what is equally important here and now is to understand what systemization is or not what systemization is but why systemization is. And We can do many things uh, in our exploration. We can talk in various tones about it. as we do with everything the intention as we have just spoken about most likely we'll, we will have just spoken about this uh, in the book already if we stick with the revised plan which puts intent before uh, before the, the, this chapter we, we have recently revised uh, the enemies list and uh, placed intent much earlier than we had originally no pun intended intended on doing so um, so here will it serves us to maybe talk as an aside about uh, uh, why intent So getting back to the actual uh, nuts and bolts of, of the battle here. Intention, as we're aware of, is the lightning rod. It's the catalyst. It's the being before the being. 
it's the unformed being. If concept, conceptualization itself, is the unformed being. Systemization is the vehicle. Concepts are the, the intention. The intention is to laden our consciousness with concepts, to make it heavy, to make it cumbersome, to make it a burden on us to, to wrestle with. And it, it is largely uh, saddled with systemization uh, as the vehicle which, which stifles our consciousness. to look at the effects of systemization. And here is an aside. Maybe this is, this is, I'm having a difficult time as I'm wrestling with it now, deciding whether this is a prologue to the old systems or the epilogue to the old systems. So we'll try and kind of speak as some sort of bookend one way or another. But these systems, however they are uh, put together, they have one singular intent. And that intention is to draw us to them and make us operate within them. Systems are nothing without our participation, just, just like conceptualization. They're, they're nothing without our participation within them. So they have no power unless they're, they're powerless without participation. Um, in that vein, keeping that in mind, we have to understand that Systems are the maturation of intention. The intention is of a system, of any system, is to keep its participants within its parameters. Um, this serves several purposes. It keeps Primarily, it keeps its participants meek. It makes those who participate within it feeble. It, it keeps folks, again, constrained. If you stop and think about it, it is nothing if not a systemized world that we live in. Everything that we do, every operation that we have is some form, some kind or another 
another system. As we either will see or have seen, we have language. It's the ultimate system. It sets the table. We think we know what we speak of, but we don't. Because we all have our own experiences. And those experiences translate to different ideas. And those ideas translate to an ultimately, uh, ultimately they translate to a confusion of what it is that we're speaking about, at least they so often do. The entire, the entire world that we, under conceptualization, operate with them is, is one system built off of another. It's system upon system upon system. And, and these systems, the further, the deeper we go into them, the more constrained we are by them. The less individual we become, the less individualized we become, the less of an individual we are. And what does that do? That sort of roboticism is a particular type of conformity. And that conformity keeps us within the bounds and keeps us operating within the system and moves us right along down the, the party line which is an intention to keep individuality at bay to keep freedom of thought, freedom of expression muzzled to keep us apart from ourselves and what's more it, it keeps us complicated systems are very complicated systems have a way of confusing things of turning things in on themselves because as we have or will see systems do not conform to verity just as verity does not conform to a system a system is its own type of faux reality it's not it operates within itself in its own bubble apart from reality and again as we have or will see the point of systems are to take over to create a new reality that's, that's the precise point is to get its participants operating 
viewing, participating, uh, seeing, being conscious through a particular paradigm. And that paradigm is the prescription of, of the system. The paradigm is something that the system demands of its participants. It's the rose color. It's, it's that coloring that we, we see through, or that the participants see through. And it's a systematized world. As a matter of fact, we can barely function, being as conceptual as we are, we can't really function without a system. In the modern world, we have systems for everything from, from and we need to see how this truly trickles down and affects our consciousness. Think about it. See what it is. If we think about a very it's just a simple thing. That's an apple. Well, we see that apple. It's harvested from via a, a system. Uh, an orchard, a farm that has a particular way of, of growing it in our modern world. It's a fruit. It's the most natural of things. And yet we've turned it into a business. <laughs> we've turned it into to a way of life. The health of the fruit depends on, or the health of the human depends on the health of, of the fruit. Because we systematize the way that we grow it, the way that we sell it, the way that we eat it. deeper level, we've classified it as something, we've labeled it, we've named it, put it in a, you know, a genealogy or a, a specific type of, uh, of species, of, again, of classification, of uh, labels. understand it to have a, a certain effect to do a certain thing it is something that we interact with in a very particular way um, just thinking about it just thinking uh, about what that thing is in relation to us. We do this 
through a system. Through the system of what we believe we know about the apple. How we talk about the language we use about the apple. And those beliefs, those ideas we create, the language we use, causes the way that, uh, dictates how we interact with it. And that interaction then becomes our reality because it becomes our relationship with that particular thing. And then we have a system for that. I eat an apple every day. That's my system. <laughs> when the veritable truth most likely is that your body not only doesn't require an apple every day, and I'm just using an apple as a you know, sort of general example, but the reality, the veritable reality of, uh, of the situation is that not only does your body not need that apple every day, it doesn't want the apple every day. It wants variety. It wants new being. It wants new interaction. It wants a middle path. But we have a system as apple eaters. And as apple growers. As apple thinkers. It's the eating of the fruit that has caused us to go completely, to, to sour our taste buds, to go completely blind. It's the eating of the fruit that has taken us out of that proverbial garden us leave knowledge behind. It's a world of systems. And that world goes right on down to our very individual beings. But we have to ask ourselves, what are systems? systems, and we will or have talked about this in the chapter in battle on systemization itself, but we have to understand that systems are things that set up the, the bounds, they set up the parameters, they dictate the being with. Systems are the playing field. If concepts are the game, systems are the playing field. Or if concepts, if the concept is the ball, the system is the playing field. Because the system defines how the concept is used. And the end of the game 
it is getting you merely to play it. That is the end of the game. If you're playing it, the game wins. Every time. Because it takes away your humanity. What is a system? It's something that dehumanizes. That roboticizes. That makes us less than we are. That enslaves us to that system. Now, we have to talk and wonder about whether systems are good or, or bad. However, let's not be so foolish as to label them or to put them in either camp, necessarily. We can tell you what they do. The value judgment is something that through our uh, dealings with language, as we already have or will, we have or will see or have seen, uh, th that is not a game that we are up to play. This particular label labeling, because that is systems game fall into one column or the other. Systems serve a purpose. That's undeniable. But as we have, or we'll see, the only good system is the system that delivers us to ourselves. Nah, but most systems most all systems have the opposite intent. The intent is to keep you undelivered, is to keep you at bay. So, although systems may serve a purpose, language helps us to communicate abstract in abstractions and to bring abstractions into a kind of understanding, a kind of comprehension. Again, there's a great irony in all of this that we have or will bring up or will make note of is that systems or the language itself would Language has served as the bridge between our place in the dark and has brought us to a place of light, a place of understanding, <clears throat> even though it itself is a system and it itself is if we were to dwell in it too long, unhealthy. You can think of systems as sort of a rich dessert or a, a pleasure that, again, is, is only beneficial 
added quantities. As is everything, of course. Just like our example with the Apple shows, I mean, they're everything in moderation, of course. And that's what makes the thing usable, is it's, uh, is the interaction or, or the sort of tariff that the thing puts on itself or the individual puts on the thing, it's limited capacity to, to interact with uh, that makes a thing usable in the first place. Everything has to have bounds and parameters and systems while potentially, I don't I hate to use the word, but potentially beneficial course we will make the argument that there is no beneficial just as there is no harm particularly there is only what is but in moderation it does strike that happy medium place it is a very solvent vim, a very workable and usable vim, but systems have an intention. Just like anything, there's nothing done that is born without intent. And so we have to look at the product, at the intention of the system. And we can do that through observing the product. And the product of intention, or the product of the system, is several fold. And we've already touched on it. But to spell it out in plain language, it is to influence the participant by gaining a power and control over it. Now, influence, power, and control are three topics, are three various arms of a, of a nasty beast. Uh, of a nasty megalomaniac homicidal beast. The areas of power, control, and influence are 
things that many philosophers or psychologists might argue that we as human beings crave. That we lead more comfortable lives when we are guided in a way. Uh, we don't have to necessarily think for ourselves. We have a difficult time agreeing with that very broad sweeping and uh, altogether unthoughtful sentiment. It's a sentiment that gives humanity such little credit. And while it's true that we may like to feel as though we have a place, that place doesn't necessarily need to be positioned from an authoritarian state. The authority, the warmth of authority that we have throughout history observed so many people operating within is more them basking in the warmth of a pseudo-understanding of their individual purpose. But of course it's an understanding that was given to them by a concept and carried out by a system. How many dictators have we seen lead hordes of people into a conceptual, suicidal march towards their, their literal, physical, and conscientious deaths. How many times have we seen an individual overtaken overtaken by a concept, by an idea, by a, a religious idea, by a political way of being, by some sort of propaganda perpetrated by the, a flame of conceptualization that has uh, now built itself into a forest fire and engulf an all engulfing fire that uh, consumes everything in its path. authoritative notions of a system.
we recognize a path. And because our minds are so conceptually twisted, not because we're bad, not because we're evil people, none of us, but because we're confused. And in our goodness, in our goodness, we leech on to a way. It's not the way, but it's a way. And it's ours. And we have to be forgiving uh, of those who are misguided because they follow systems not out of a malice, not out of ill will or contempt, and certainly not because there is something in their souls that stirs them towards this kind of behavior. It's, it's because they've administered to themselves a choice. has led them deeper and deeper into a dark cave. Oh. Authority. It, power. Influence. These, these things are the products of systemization. It's the, the ultimate end. When we become systematized fully as we in our modernity are now. We're so systematized in fact that as we will see, and I think we can definitely say that we will see, I think, from this point uh, where we are in, our, in the battles, we become so systematized <coughs> that we think that handing our humanity over to automation is the proper course. The handing ourselves over to a technological horizon, to a technological, to, to robotic arms, to shaking hands with the, robot, the robotic arm is our most pragmatic course. Uh, and as we will see, there is a great problem with doing that in a complete and total way. But the same can be said of any system. We cannot, we cannot lend ourselves in totality to any system. It's madness. Pure and total fucking madness to do. 
it is sacrificing what makes us human. We have a choice at every precipice, at, at every fork, in every road. We have a choice. Whether we tow the line, whether we operate wholly within the system, or whether we remind ourselves, whether we have the cognition, have the freedom from the concept enough, to, whether we are desystematized in our own consciousness enough to remember that verity trumps all, including and most especially systemization or systematized conceptualization. Because those kinds of concepts are the most dangerous when we let them eat at us without giving them any resistance. And we sacrifice ourselves completely to them. Passively sit uh, and let ourselves operate solely within the system without understanding that the veritable reality, and that is the reality that includes ourselves and sees ourselves as, as individuals that sees ourselves as people of worth people of something more something ineffable yet fallible fallible in a beautiful way, in a way that helps us understand. And that's often uh, the problem with the system, is through its influence, through its power, through its control, it tries to altogether eradicate fallibility um, just when falla what, what just when what is fallible could be of some real use because and we can play a thought experiment here. And it's very simply this. Uh, when I, when we say the word uh, mistake, I imperfect, fallibility, observe your mind. Immediately, what is it? Connotate.
What does it attach to those words? I mean, mistake, it's a, there's all sorts of negativity imbued within that language, right? But the greatest mistakes, the greatest blunders lead to the greatest triumphs. It's part of a process. Mistake sounds like an end. It sounds like that's it. That's the end. It's, but the reality of it is, is that it's simply another step within the process. So to treat it in concept or in language as though it were something other than what it is, which is just a, a component, not an end-all, not a, uh, yeah, not, not a cul-de-sac, not something that leads to nowhere, yeah. but it's just another portion, it's our own concepts, it's our own ideas, our own minds that attach the meaning to it, and the meaning is something, when we attach meaning, we think we know, this is the problem, the meaning that we attach to things, especially the negative things, implies that we ourselves are aware of something larger and more total, and that we comprehend when we comprehend almost nothing. We are unaware of the deepest meaning. That is until we have verity, until we have insight, until we have the reality which we gain through this letting go of all these systematized concepts and, and ways of being. Then meaning approaches us and becomes apparent to us. It, it, it comes to us. Truth comes to the individual who awaits it. It does not come to the individual that ascribes it. It is something given, not something dictated. And there is one of the main the main defects of systemization, and I know these words can be, uh, those kinds of words, those kind of adjectives and describers, signifiers, can be detrimental to, to what we're trying to do, because again, again, if you observe your mind, you'll see that it sounds like something negative, 
and it is negative if we see that as the end. But again, remember, that's not the end. But those kind of words can be, or those kind of actions can be detrimental to the, the larger happening, to the meaning, to, to the individual as he or she sifts through the phenomenology, sifts through the happening. They, as we sift through, uh, and here is the point: is that to those individuals that ascribe meaning. They do so through a very particular way uh, of being a very, very particular con kind of consciousness. It's very seldom, if ever, filtered through pure verity itself, pure reality, pure comprehension about what is. And we can only get to that place by removing ourselves from our bias, our notions, our beliefs, the languages attached to it, our culture, our families, all these things though, through systemization we've been brought up and, and cultivated through truth, meaning, verity, vim, it lies beyond all these things. It is a field, it is a force that has no attachment, that plays no part in, in, in the play, in the larger happening. It is the happening itself. The system, its intent is to interpret and carve a way of being within that field. It's a pathway. The, system, the system's intention is to be a pathway, a, a way to navigate. But that navigation is is only one course. It's only, it's a very particular kind of course. It is not necessarily the course. So, we need to understand that only through desystemizing consciousness can we truly ever have 
a real hope of, of freeing ourselves, of, of interacting with verity in such a way. able to interact with Verity at all. Because when we are within systemization, we are intimidated by that system. The system has such a grasp on us. fear wavering from it. Again, the system is safe. It's a path, it's a place for us to operate within. We know the rules, we know the guidelines. If we stick within it, we're able to, uh, even though it is operating from a place of power and control, and we, we're scared. We, we, we operate from fear when we operate within the system. We are motivated by fear. The system intimidates us into submission. It calls on us to lower ourselves to it. And it preys on our emotions. And through our emotions, we become blinded to what is, to verity, to the reality. Emotional responses are normally devoid of logic. And logic stems from a place of a certain kind of objectivity. Objectivity that uh, helps us to obviously gain insight, and gain perspective. If we have fear, we can never be free. If an emotion is certainly can be a beautiful thing, just as language can be a beautiful thing, just as any kind of systemization can be a beautiful thing when it is only the vehicle that delivers us. And as we said at the very start, top of, of this battle, systemization is conception's vehicle. But we have to turn it around. We have to make it our vehicle. We have to make it work for us. But again, it's only the vehicle. Just as the plane carries us from city to city, or the car delivers us from home to that other place and back again. So must we use systemization and conceptualization as vehicles which bring us to a place 
but then we when we get to our destination we exit the vehicle we can use beautiful words to enlighten our consciousness to turn on our minds but we need to understand and to feel not even to intellectually comprehend but to feel to under, to have the the broad view as to when to leave a thing we wouldn't drive our car into the home <laughs> once we got there once we arrived we exit it we get off the horse at the end of the trail We have to do the same thing with our systems. We can use them to, to deliver us, as we can with all of con conceptualization. <clears throat> but there is a certain point when interacting with Verity that we need to let it be. We need to go in and interact with the ver uh, with Verity for ourselves. Because again, systems will force us into emotion. They'll blind us to what is. When we act out of fear, we are not ourselves. We need to understand ourselves as brilliant, as powerful, as magnanimous, as flawed. But that flaw is not the end of our being. It's the bridge. It's the process. It makes us who we are. It builds us up, and we all learn from it. Our flaws are beautiful, just as beautiful as our accomplishments, and those things that we see as, as great within ourselves. One composes the other. It's a black making white kind of happening. It's a movement towards. It's a being with. We need to understand ourselves as complete and total. As not just one kind of being operating within one kind of system. That is old language describing old consciousness which enacts us in a mode of old being. It perpetuates this mode of old human being. And we, through this war, are attempting 
liberate ourselves, all of us, from that mode. We are bringing ourselves out. Back. Into Eden. And we're coming. Ironically, we will find that we were not thrown out of Eden. We simply systematized it so much that it's no longer recognizable. We paved over the garden. tried to take something that was already perfect and we tried to do better why because we wanted to be like from verity departure from veritability and an entrance into false idolatry and again we didn't do this because we were bad we did this because we didn't really know any better However, that's not the end of the story. Us not knowing, us making a mistake, us falling. It's not the end of the story, it's the beginning of the story. As a matter of fact, it's what makes us so beautiful. It makes us, it makes our relationship with Verity so special. Because there's an honesty about it. We screwed up. We're continuing to screw up and we think that with systemization we will gain something back. When the reality is, is that there's nothing to gain back except for our originality. And our originality is with us because we wouldn't be able to exist without it. Personally, now I, I don't know exactly why this all unfolds the, the way that it does, but I suspect there's beautiful reason. is not me attempting to put meaning into something as I've said previously here in this dictation I 
you can't ascribe meaning to something. What we can say is with certainty that we don't know, <laughs> that we're not totally aware. But yet at the same time, something calls to us. Something, something is there. Something lives right on the edge. Something whispers at us. And it does so beyond those sharp cutting edges of systemization's intentions. Something's there. We don't know what it is. It is so many trees that the forest has become obscured. But we can interact with the truly holy both W-H-O-L-L-Y and H-O-L-Y. Holy interact. And a holy interaction. If we shed all those systems and see the intentionality, see the product, see the control, We surrender to them and see that by participating in the system, the system is never at the end, it never delivers us. It's only the vehicle, yet we've treated it as the demigod. We need to see ourselves as the reality. We need to see ourselves as that power. We need to see that the reality is us and we are the reality. We are verity itself. Through that power, through that comprehension, We will come to a caressant being with. And it will be something more beautiful than any system could possibly ever describe or contain.